Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be together. I like to make sure people know, especially if you're not familiar with, with church, that uh, moments like that, it's special because the Holy Spirit's here, which is an incredible gift, and uh, he's with us today, which is, he's with us all the time, but sometimes it's very noticeable. So that's good news. I want to start with some more good news today. Our college students are back in town, which we are very excited about. I don't know if you read in the newspaper this week, but 8,000 freshmen checked into the dorms. And there are 9,000 freshmen in this freshman class, the largest by far in CU's history. They got some making up to do after last year, it sounds like. But we are so glad if you're one of those freshmen. We're so glad you're here. We hope this will be your home. We also want to welcome back all of our upperclassmen. You guys play an important role in our church, so that's good news. You know what else is good news? Tomorrow in the Carlucci house, our sons will be at school for the first Monday in a year and a half. Yes. Elise and I have our Mondays back, so... She likes me to take her hiking, and I don't like to hike, but I used to take her on Mondays because it was our day off together. So I just blamed it on the boys yesterday why we never go hiking. <laughs> well, now I got to go again. So we have our Mondays back. Also, uh, when you leave the service today and head out, we want you to spend some time in the courtyard for our, our fall launch. There will be a donut wall with hundreds of donuts on it, and I was told that donut wall contains 38,000 calories. So the good news is there's a lot of us to work that thing over, all right? So... That's exciting also. Um, but uh, this is kind of the end of our summer here at Cornerstone, the start of the fall, but it also represents the start of our ministry year. And um, I hope you had a great summer. The Carlucci's, uh, we did. We, we traveled around. We went on some great trips. One trip I want to tell you about, Elise and I took our oldest son, Cole, so we left the other three behind, but we took the oldest to Cole, our oldest Cole, out to the East Coast, and we visited cities there and, and went to New York and New Jersey and... Um, Pennsylvania, and it was really fun just to show Cole cities that he's never been to as they're visiting colleges. Now, we really love showing off New York because Elise just has a love in her heart for that city. Her brother used to live there, and 11 years ago, I had the privilege of taking a class for a week and a half. We stayed in New York. It was an immersion class, and for a week and a half, we studied uh, the demographics of the city, the, the economic history, the political history, the social history, the spiritual history of the city. And so I felt like I left that class knowing New York City better than any town that I'd ever lived in myself. Just knew it really well. So it's fun to take Cole and to show him around. But I hadn't been there in 11 years, and I was shocked to see how much that the city had changed. It's always moving. It's always changing. I told Cole that it wasn't always this way. We went down to 14th Street. If you're familiar with Manhattan, that's pretty far south on the island, as late as the mid-1800s, that's as far north as the city went, 14th Street. Now, for some context, that's 30 blocks south of Times Square that's kind of in the middle of the island. We went all the way up to Street 218th, top of the island. I said, the city only used to be this, go this far. The skyline here, Cole, used to be dominated by churches, not these buildings, because the churches were the tallest buildings in the city. Now, of course, the buildings are much taller. Many things had changed over the years. Uh, in the last 10 years, I noticed the skyline had changed. 25 of the current top or highest 50 buildings, the tallest 50 buildings, are buildings that have been built in the last 10 years. So if you haven't been there in a while, you'll go and you'll see a lot of new things. I said, this city is constantly changing. It's exciting. But then I talked about how the city hasn't changed. 
The city was founded in the mid-1600s by Dutch tradesmen uh, who were actually fur trappers, and they were selling their furs there. The city was named New Amsterdam, and it took on the characteristics of its namesake across the Atlantic Ocean, Amsterdam, which is a city that was built on commerce, banking, trade, money. It was very diverse. I don't know if you know, but New York City is the first home for Jews in the United States. They lived on the lower uh, east side, Sephardic Jews. It's because it was safe. There was no group in charge. There was no ethnic group in charge. And so it was always a diverse, open place, open to ideas. And so because of that, New York has always been an innovative city. And so I told Kwai, I said, this is how the city was founded. And then we went and visited Wall Street and looked at all the banks and said, some things have not changed. The DNA that the city started with, the elements that it was established with, Contain, or, or contained there today. They're still present. You can go and experience them. And this is true of just about any city. Many of you don't know that Boulder was founded as kind of a mining outpost. It was just places, uh, you know, shops that were set up to sell to miners who were headed into the mountains to the west as they were mining silver. This was the Wild West. It was full of independent, ambitious miners and entrepreneurs. What has changed, right? <laughs> the business startup of the country still. We're also really healthy. City's got all kinds of great claims. Some things change, some things never change. I tell you that because we start a series today called Established, where for the next few weeks, we're gonna take you through the elements that matter to us here at Cornerstone that has established us as a church that's here wanting to bless this city as much as we can, a church that's wanting to make as much room for anyone who wants to be a part of what God's doing here, a church that wants to be on mission, having impact in our community and around the world. These elements are the key pieces of what makes Cornerstone Cornerstone. And so we've taught on them before. There's nine unique ones uh, that can all stand alone. But together, they make for a very, very unique church. Not all of them are unique, but together they create a unique church. And so Today, I want to talk about what God is building and what God has established in terms of our community. And so if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4 today. It's a special passage to us here at Cornerstone. You'll see why in a moment. But what I want you to notice is that God is a builder. He's building something, and he's building something with certain materials, Okay, right now we're building here. I mean, how many of your little boys and little girls love that weird tractor out on the dirt pile? I mean, I hope that dirt pile is safe. We're building something here. We have different tools, different materials, but that's not what God's building. God's building something and he's using certain materials and he's building unique things, all right? So we're gonna look at that. First Peter chapter two, let's read it, verse four. As you come to him, speaking of Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you into, out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are people, the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. By the way, if you're someone that just kind of struggles with your self-image and self-esteem, just read verse 9 and 10 over and over again this week. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You belong to him. We all do. We always have. But what I want to do today is I just want to show you here, we, don't get, we can't get into all the details. This passage is loaded uh, with truth and beautiful things, but I want you to see that God is building something, the materials he's using and the unique way that he goes about building it. Um, you could say that this passage is God's vision for us. This is one of those passages, if someone were to ask me as the pastor, Brian, what's the vision of Cornerstone? I, I wouldn't come up with a, a fancy saying, I'd take you to a passage like this and say, this is the vision, this is the blueprints. I've got up here with me the blueprints to the new building. I mean, there's just hundreds of pages of plans. And you know what this is built on? This is built on some very, very old plans. I can't tell you how many times we've gone to the archives and pulled out these giant blueprints of this old cruddy building and said, all right, how do we build on this? We keep finding things out back that we didn't even know were there. But everything new that's going to be done over the course of the next 10 months is being built on a foundation of something else. Our church is built on similar plans, not physical plans, but here's the plans that Jesus is giving us. And here's what he's saying. Look how it starts. He's doing all this to make a spiritual house. This is what it means. God is committed to making a home for himself in this world. The world is constantly in motion and movement to push God out of this world. To say there is no God. Or if there was a God, he's not present in this world. He doesn't care about you. He's not interested in your life. He can't help us. The world says the truth of God needs to be pushed out. It's no longer relevant. The world is constantly pushing God out. But God is committed to making a home for himself in this world. Why? Because from the very beginning, the whole story is about God dwelling with his people. That's how it starts, right? Created Adam and Eve. They walked in the garden. They enjoyed community together. God wanted to share it all with them. And that's where we, we will return. So you could sum up human history and spiritual history this way. It's all been God getting closer and closer with his people. God wants to make a home for himself in this world. Now, let's not make the mistake to think the home is a room like this. The scriptures are very, very clear. The home that God is building for himself in this world is the relationships that are shared among his people and with himself. The raw materials in which God builds his church are relationships, forgiveness, dinners together, a smile, tears of joy, tears of sadness shared by his people. That's what God dwells in. We'll get more to that in a moment. But from the very beginning, God wanted to fill the earth with his presence, he wants to make a home for him here. There's a, there's a theologian I like to read right now. He's from Singapore. His name's Simon Chan. He says this, the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Every space. But how does it start? Well, it starts with his kingdom that comes and the church ends up being the result. 
God dwells in his people. That is why Jesus gave us images like the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, the house of God, the family of God. These are all practical things we can imagine. God dwells with us like a body, like a family, like a house. Here's the other thing that's always made me scratch my head. The church is actually called holy over and over again in the Bible. Now that term is not used to describe many things. There are a few things that you'll see are referred to as holy. And there are certain types of relationships and certain communities that are referred to as holy. And here's the only reason why they're called holy. They are set apart to make room for God in this world. So here's examples of it. Marriage is holy. Because as a man and a woman come together, that is meant to mirror Christ's love for his church. There's meaning in it. Marriage literally makes room for God in this world. It shows off the gospel if the marriage is acting the way it should. The nation of Israel is called holy. Why? Because they're special? They're not any more special than the church? Not at all. But they have been set apart to make room for God in this world. They were his first home. He still dwells among that nation. The church is called holy only because God has chosen to make his home within us. Now, this is hard for me because, you know, I've been a pastor now for 19 years, and I've been in churches for almost 30, and I know how screwed up we are. Just had a weird interaction this morning. It was really screwed up. I, I see how divided we can be, how corrupt and selfish we can be, just like the broken world around us. See how hypocritical we can be. And I also see how and understand why it can be so easy to give up on all of it or just to sit passively by and not be someone God is building into and to be a builder yourself. I understand all of that. I can tell you that I have observed in this church over and over again people being harmed. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally injured. I've seen people throw out relationships that are 20 years old over small differences of doctrine. The ones that don't matter, really. The church, our church at times, will be confusing and disorienting for people. I, I, I'm not gonna tell you we have been like that. We will be that way. Why? Because the church is the people. Would you ever wanna put on yourself the expectation, or you share this with your family, that I will be perfect? I will never screw up. If I were to tell my boys, boys, I will never let you down. Huh. Man, I'm just setting everybody up, right? That would be a foolish thing to say. We struggle. All of those things are true. I've experienced all of those things. I've been injured. But then, I think back to experiences where I read about a spiritual house and spiritual or a holy priesthood and a a holy nation, and I think, you know, I've experienced God, Jesus, with you, in you. I see him among you. I think of the way that people have been personally loved and healed by Jesus through this church and other churches. And I think about the power of God that's been displayed 
during prayer as people pray for one another. You know, we have stories of miracles in this church. Miraculous things that God has done. God's speaking things to people. Just the very thing they need to hear to keep them going. I think of how God has turned this at times into a safe place where people can struggle and heal from their wounds in the past. Think about the healing power of prayer and worship and the teaching of God's word, all of those things. And all that stuff happens and it makes me think, maybe I can't give it all away. I've seen him too much here. I've heard him too much among us. I've noticed his presence. I've been loved by him too much to say it's not worth it. Eugene Peterson, long-term pastor, and he, I believe, describes the struggle that a modern person has to have with the church if they're gonna stay in it better than anyone else. And this is what he says. Church is the textured context in which we grow up in Christ to maturity. So we need it. But church is difficult. Let me read that again. Church is difficult. If you don't believe me, church will be difficult. You will get weird or you will run into someone that's weird. Or maybe they're normal, they're just acting weird. It's a bad time. Church is difficult. But sooner or later, if we're serious about growing up in Jesus, we have to deal with the church. And here's, here's his encouragement, I say sooner. is how he ends that quote. I say sooner than later. God forms churches from the seeds of the kingdom. The kingdom races through an area. The church is what's left behind. And the church is the people, the dwelling. Matthew 18. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So when you meet in homes and you take a walk together and you have coffee, you pray over Zoom, whatever it is, God is there. That is the church. Now here are the materials, and we've been hinting at it. But the raw materials for which God builds his church are actual people, relationships, forgiveness, sacrifice, carrying one another's burdens, taking risks together. And look how the, the whole thing begins. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. He is not speaking of our church or the thousands of churches that have the same name. Our name is not original. In fact, there's a really weird church in Texas that has our name, and people often think we're the same, and I say, no, we're not. <laughs> Speaking of Jesus, a chosen and precious cornerstone, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Here's what he's saying. God is building a spiritual house, and the first stone that gets put down is the cornerstone. The Hebrew word for that is rosh pinah, which means the chief stone or the first stone. If you've ever been around buildings... And you only have to go back about 100 years. If you look at the foundation of old buildings, so you could go to downtown Boulder, some of the buildings there. You could look around at the old buildings that see you. If you go to the corner of a building, you will see a big prominent stone. And often it has the date that the building was established. That stone literally was the first stone that was laid. It's called the cornerstone. From that stone, everything is built out from it. Everything finds its orientation. Everything is built upon it. So the first raw material of what God calls the church is his son. 
Jesus was the first person, the first stone that God laid down. Special for us because, of course, our name comes from this passage. And it's referenced to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, where it says this. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone. Jesus has been tested. A precious stone. He is precious. The cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Whatever we do together, whatever God is, has established and it continues to build among us here at Cornerstone is built on him. It starts there. I think Jesus was referring to this Isaiah passage when he said this in Matthew chapter seven. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. So our passage goes on. The cornerstone's laid first, but then look what it says. Then there are living stones being built into the wall. You're the living stones. I'm the living stones. Here's the blueprint. Our faith, our life is built upon the foundation and we are built into one another. So connected that if one stone is pulled out, it all suffers. That's the plan. Those are the blueprints. That God wants our lives built on him, but so connected with one another that the wall is strengthened. The wall's allowed to grow. It expands its capacity. So here's a question I have just in terms of reflection. What are you building right now? Are you a part of what God is building? And I would tell you this, if this is not a place where you feel like you could be a part of what God is building, there are many other churches to be a part of. This is not a passive environment. I have no problem saying we need everyone involved in what God is doing here for us to achieve our vision. No problem saying it. I meet with visitors and one of the first things I say is we need you. We, used to, we were told long ago to make it as easy as possible for people to just sit back, treat church like a shopping mall. Nope. Now we're living stones being built together. God is building something and he wants to use all of us. It's the people. You know, we've had the pleasure over the last 10 years of partnering with a church in rural Uganda that a decade ago did not exist. These villages that we work with, um, if you were to go back 10 years ago, you wouldn't find a single Christian. Most of the villages were uh, Muslim villages. Many people there uh, practiced ancestral worship, and it was just a mix uh, of many different faiths. And a young man named da David Balabakubo began to have dreams about Jesus, which, by the way, this is what's happening in parts of the world where people have a hard time hearing the gospel. The church is unstoppable. Jesus is unstoppable. He'll get to your dreams. David had a series of dreams. Woke up from one dream and said, all right, guess my life has just changed. I'm following that guy. Well, that would cost him. Because when his family found out, they tried to kill him several times. David fled to the city. There he was discipled. He was uh, welcome into a church. He got married, uh, actually got trained as, as a teacher. But God gave him another dream and said, I want you to go back. 
And David's like, God, you got to be kidding. Going back to those people who tried to kill me. By the way, he went back and they tried to kill him again. Real stories. I'll let David tell you the next time he's here. I mean, it's hard to like even get our mind around that in this country. He went back and he began to share the good news of Jesus, the gospel, and how God has a plan for us. And that plan is to build our lives on the stone, on the cornerstone, and to build our lives together. And one at a time, people began to say yes to Jesus. And as soon as the second person had said yes, guess what happened? David had a church. And they met in private under a mango tree. And then, I can't tell you this whole story, but they had a tree they worshiped. It was on David's property. David told them he was gonna cut down this tree because it was an idol. They said, you'd all die. David said, watch. David cut down the tree. No one died. Hundreds of people came to faith. So now the mango tree is not big enough. Now they have posts that are basically just trees that are holding up a tarp. When we got involved and our students got involved, that's the church they were meeting, and now they have a beautiful building. But the beautiful building has nothing to do with who they are. God uses the raw material of people and their faith and their lives built on Jesus, their lives built together. You know how much their lives are built together? Jobs have been created for people that never had a job there. Kids go to school that have never gone to school. Just this week, I, here's some more good news. In Uganda, they've been out of school for a year and a half. Kids, and they don't have the internet. Like, they live in huts. Well, this week, they actually put together at-home curriculum that they think the kids can do, and they're passing them out. Kids are rejoicing to get it. It's like, I need to show my boys that. Right? Their lives are being built together. And guess what? It's a blessing to the whole community. God uses the raw material of people like us. God is also building something really, really unique here at Cornerstone. We have people that are from charismatic backgrounds and contemplative backgrounds and messianic backgrounds and evangelical backgrounds. Some of you grew up in high churches. Some of you grew up as atheists. Some of you grew up as Buddhists. We have very different political views. We have very different views about COVID. Yet, the reason we can come together is because we share the same foundation. Our lives are built on one person. And when he says things like, Work towards peace with one another, unity, shared vision. He has a way at breaking through all of our own struggles. And so for us here at Cornerstone, there are some really, really unique ways that God is building us together. We're a church that honors the generations and we celebrate our creativity. We actually think it's a way to reflect God's image in the world and we celebrate our vocations. God loves the world through our work. And confluence is a way of reading the scriptures as one seamless story. And we celebrate community and transforming our culture. And we promote encounters with God and we encourage those. And then all of this informs our generosity and our transformation. These are our elements that God has established here. We're unique. Uganda's unique. But every place God has created a unique community, the raw materials of people. Let me keep going about how we're unique. Let me mention a few of our challenges. Some are unique to us and some maybe are shared by Christians all around the world. What's fun about Cornerstone is that you're a very talented bunch. You're ambitious, you're successful, 
You do amazing things. We have a lot of people that have a lot of vision for their life, but here's the challenge. To put that aside and put God's vision first is a challenge for all of us. That's a challenge for our community. Here's another challenge. We're also an independent, diverse, opinionated bunch. So to submit to God as king and to submit to the scriptures will always be a challenge. We're a busy, overextended, stressed out bunch. And so to take the time it takes to build our lives into the lives of others will always be a challenge. We're also living in a culture that inundates us with the message of self. Our interest, our dreams, our comfort, individualism is worshiped. It's God in our culture. I mean, isn't there a spirit of offense and and division in our country right now? It's everywhere. So that's a real challenge to people who are called to be generous and sacrificially give and serve together and carry the burdens of others. It's a challenge. Here's another challenge. We live in a superficial culture that wants to hide and cover up all its pain and weakness. When we actually read in the scriptures that we find strength in our weakness and we're meant to be open and vulnerable with one another as we pursue joy together. That's a challenge, right? And I could go on and on. There are more. There's gonna be challenges this year. Our whole building thing is a huge inconvenience. There's a time coming this winter that we're gonna have to meet off this site to get, make sure the project gets completed. Those are challenges. We continue to operate as a church during a pandemic, a polarized culture. And in a city... This is unfortunate about our beautiful, wonderful city, a city that works really, really hard to push God out or just to avoid that there is a God. So to make room for God in this world, not only in this city, not only is important, but it is incredibly difficult. But here's the challenge I want to give you today before I close. The worship team's going to come out. What does it look like to be a part of what God is building And not just in a general way. God places us in local communities, local churches. He gives you friends. He gives you small groups. He gives you leaders. He gives you pastors. We share our resources so that we can impact the world in a greater way. We do things we couldn't do alone. How is it that God is using you to build what he's building? So not only is he building you into the lives of others, but you are the raw material in which he's using. Maybe forgiveness for someone needs to be the step because those are the raw materials God uses. Maybe vulnerability is the materials that God will use as he builds your lives in with others. Maybe it's time to be someone who serves. That you come together with other people and you say, I'm here to lift others up. I'm here to share what I have, to give what I have. What is that step? Over the next nine weeks, hopefully, as we spend time teaching on each of these elements, God will be speaking to you about ways that these can become more and more a part of your life. Because they matter to him, and he has not let us move away from them. He continues to say, make these things important here. And so this is what I'd like to do. I just want to lead us in a quiet time of reflection. So I want to give you a chance to just be alone with the Lord. So I want you to bow your heads, and let's go to the quiet place of prayer.
Now dwell on this for a moment. You are a home for God in this world right now. You are. But more often in the scriptures when God talks about you being a home for God in this world, he's talking about you with others. So we are a home for God in this world. We are the answer to the question, what is God doing? Has he abandoned us? We are the manifest presence of Jesus. In the midst of being a great big mess, we have a beautiful foundation. Something beautiful has been established and God is still building. So let him speak to you about what your next step might be. Maybe there's something new to give him. Psalm 72 says, praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. May your heart be filled with his glory. May your marriage be filled with his glory. May your family be filled with his glory. May your home, your dorm be filled with his glory. May your neighborhood be filled with his glory. May our cities be filled with his glory. May this church be filled with his glory. May the world be filled with his glory. Father, make us the church that you have in mind. May we have open hearts to take new steps. And Father, I just pray blessing over all that you're doing here and blessing over all the churches that are in our city who right now are meeting. Thank you for many faithful places. We bless them with the same message. But while we choose to be here, Father, I pray that we would both be builders and blocks that you're using to build your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.